KXRN LP. Laguna Niguel, Laguna, Laguna Beach. Beach. Member supported KXFM on 104.7. KXFMRadio.org. Hi, this is KXFM meteorologist Dave Murray on this Saturday afternoon. We've got a great afternoon on tap with lots of sunshine. Excellent temperatures, a little Santa Ana in play, but wind not a factor. 72 at the beach, 73 in the mountaintop, 72 in the canyon. Tonight, partly cloudy skies. Check out that crescent moon in the western sky. 50 will do it for the overnight low. On Sunday, partly sunny, nice again with a high near 70. We're getting into a stretch of much of next week into an unsettled weather pattern. Probably nothing more than a little spotty light rain on Monday and Tuesday. Not expecting much at all, but a little stronger system in play for Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. We could actually see some much needed rain. I'll keep you up to date. That's my forecast. I'm meteorologist Dave Murray for KXFM. Laguna Beach. Morning. This is Craig and Rainbow Radio here at KXFM 104.7 in Laguna Beach. It's a beautiful, you heard the weather? It's beautiful beach day. It's about 68 degrees coming in, which again, we're spoiled here in Laguna Beach. I, I like to relish in the moment every, every week when I'm here. So if you're tuning in and finding out that it's Rainbow Radio on Sunday, you're not confused. It is now every Sunday, 10 a.m. to noon. We moved our hours and this is a first show that we're doing on our new hours so we're very happy to be here and it's we've graduated after six years of a one-hour show on early way too early on saturday morning we are now sunday for two hours two strong so i hope you can put up with me that long we're gonna have a lot of fun i do have a special guest he's a he's a repeat guest uh alex mojaher and uh, oh, and I'm saying it wrong. <laughs> Close uh, enough, Mohajer. Mohajer, <laughs> Mohajer, uh, and he's. We're going to talk uh, at, to him at length. We have lots to discuss. Uh, a, a couple other things I'd like to say. Thank you. Uh, on Friday, we had a fundraiser for uh, Rainbow, uh, not for Rainbow Radio. Uh, we should have one for Rainbow Radio. <laughs> we had a fundraiser and Christmas holiday social at the Civic Center in uh, Laguna Beach for Laguna Beach Pride and for Club Q. 
And we had a lot of wonderful people there and a lot of wonderful donations were made to support those two causes, uh, particularly Laguna Beach Pride, who will be planning as soon as we get those fire pit rings in in Aliso Beach, we'll be having a beach bonfire. And I know the city's working hard on that and we'll have that. But there's, we don't, I think everyone has their own little parties going on and stuff. So we don't really have uh, any announcements other than that we're happy we're here and i will be here on christmas eve and new year's eve can you believe that i must be crazy (laughs) my social life what has happened (laughs) when you get past 30 it it goes to hell (laughs) i I tell you i tell you so um that's uh that's all i do have a lot of the uh, news and stuff but i think i'm going to save that we'll get into get in Get a conversation going here with Alex, and then we can probably both of us dive into the news a little bit and then have a little conversation about it. Let's do it. Which is always fun. So Alex is running for District 37 Senate yep. for the state of California, and he has a few firsts in his for, in his life and in the, I guess, in politics. That What are those firsts, Alex? Oh, well, I'll be the first openly gay legislator elected in Orange County, state or federal. I'll be the only Iranian in the California state legislature. I'll be one of the youngest people in the California legislature. Oh, my God. Um, and I'll be the first openly gay Iranian man elected anywhere in the whole world. God, he's got all those strikes against him, and he's still pursuing it. Can you believe it? <laughs> I don't know what I'm thinking. I, yeah, really. I did. <laughs> You didn't get the memo that said you couldn't be done, right? <laughs> well, it's it? time. It's time to break the pink ceiling here in Orange County. I think um, there's been efforts to do it, but I think we're ready. Alex, Orange it's County's overdue. Yeah. It's long overdue. Yeah, I agree with that. And it's ready. We're ready. I think yeah. we've come a long way. And, and when he succeeds, they'll say, how did he do it? And Well, everyone forgot to tell him it couldn't be done. <laughs> a lot of hard work. <laughs> yes. And community. It's the community that is going to help us do it. So what what have you been up to since our last, uh, you were here, what was it, a couple of months ago? I think it was Pride Month. It feels like it was oh, Pride Month, maybe June was or June. July. Yeah, June is Pride Month. Yeah, I mean, we announced our campaign back in March. And so when I came to see you last, we were just a few months in. And now we're coming up on almost a year on the campaign trail. March oh, wow. will be a year and also the primaries in March. So we're getting here into the last hundred days before the campaign. We've been raising money, earning endorsements, and just going out into the community, doing a lot of events, a lot of what, fundraisers. Let me let me ask you, what has surprised you most about this campaign? That something maybe you didn't expect that you thought, oh, wow, this is cool. Um, I think what has surprised me the most is that the community doesn't really seem to care about the fact that I'm LGBTQ. They don't care. They want to know what my policies are. And it's it's more of a non-issue than I thought it would be at first. Wow. So that's been actually uplifting and surprising. Yeah. People want to know what we're going to do for our communities. They want to how know. How novel. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, they want to know how we're going to be different than the elected officials who've been representing us. And they don't seem to really care about that, including parts of the community that I thought maybe would have a bigger issue. Um, The Iranian community has been unbelievably receptive and warm and open. Really? And excited. And so... I should make clear, uh, Alex is born in the United States. He's every bit American as as everyone that is every American. And uh, the fact that his family is from Iran is is what we're referring to. Um, So, I I mean... uh, 
I, I don't want to make that distinction because I, I don't know. I, I think that's important. You're, you're, you're not just doing it because you're from Iran. You're doing it because you're American citizen and you want to do what's good for America. Yeah. But I want to also point out, you know, my mom was born and raised in Iran, but she's just as American as everybody else too. And I think that's the kind of beauty of, of so many of the immigrant experiences here is yeah. we don't lo- always have representation. Orange County is one of the most diverse counties in America. You wouldn't always be able to tell based on who's representing us. So I don't want people to vote for me because I'm Iranian yeah. or come from an, uh, an Iranian background, but I want people to know that that is a big part of my story. It's a, it makes up every fiber of who mm. I am. It informs me culturally. It informs the way um, we we kiss each other twice when we see each other or, or the way our moms cook for us and force feed our friends. It's just, a, it's, it's make, it makes up my identity and informs a lot about who I am. And also the ongoing protests in Iran for the last over a year now, the, the woman life freedom movement, uh, they've been chanting Zan Zendegi Azadi, woman life freedom and demanding their basic human rights. And I think that was a big motivator for me to run for the community here because that movement is intersectional to many of the fight, fights and struggles that we're having here in the United States and even here in California and Orange County um, with regards to LGBTQ rights, immigrants' yeah. rights, voting rights. Um, and so these issues are important and I wanted to give voice to that community, but also say, hey, if you care about the liberation of the Iranian people, you should also care about LGBTQ rights and women's rights and voting rights here in the US because they're under active assault. A big activist. So I, I, back to your comment that while there's a very diverse cultural, uh, I guess, base here in Orange County, the representation isn't necessarily represent that. Yeah, you but, wouldn't you always said, be able to tell. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah and, and I think that's interesting. Like, like, and you're out to change that. <laughs> Yeah. One step at a time. Yeah, we've seen some inroads. You know, the the senator that I'm seeking to replace, his name is Dave Min. Um, fantastic. Yep. Has done a, a, a good job in the state Senate. Uh, did an amazing job for representation for the Korean American community here. And I want to continue the tradition of that in the state Senate seat is for it to reflect the community that it's representing and be a real reflection of the community. So, not, not to... Um you know, you don't want to talk about winning the lottery until you win it. But what might you find most exciting if you become in, uh, come into this in the Senate and assume this position? What's what's exciting for you about it? The ability. I mean, it's it's a job. You yeah. Know? So it's it's taking on an awesome responsibility that I take really seriously. Um, I think for me, the things that we really have not seen addressed in this state, homelessness, housing, yeah. healthcare, uh, more significant investments in the drivers of economic growth, like healthcare and education. Um, I think those are things that I am looking forward to offering new progressive forward-thinking solutions to that I think the elected officials that we've had for the past de- several decades, um, with respect to them, uh, it's time for a new generation of leaders to start really proposing these forward-thinking solutions and shift us into a new paradigm politically. So that's exciting to me. Yeah, I think that the the opportunity for to good be positive of- change is really exciting, and to be able to be the the servant who makes that happen would be um, a profound, um, a profound 
responsibility that I would take um, very seriously. Very well said. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> you have my vote so many times over and over and over again. Um, I, I appreciate that. The last time you were here, I think we talked a bit about the environment. We talked about housing and affordable housing. I think at length, as I recall. Uh, but those values, there was a third value. What was the uh, environment and housing and, I, I guess, employment or non-discrimination was one. Well, but, it's, it's ec- ec- an economy that represents and lifts up working families. Yes. Healthcare, which I think is a driver of, it was of, of the yeah. economy. Yeah. And that I think that we've just not done such a poor job nationally and in the state of getting people access to care and also climate. And uh, mm. as the pro- campaigns progressed, you know, I've also been trying to drive home the fact that if your elected officials are talking about crime, and this is true of both parties, they, without talking about the root causes of crime, then they're not really serious about offering policy oh, prescriptions. Amen. And I, 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 I gotta, I gotta hold that thought, but yeah. I gotta also tell I watched a 60 minute, uh, program last night actually about uh the south border Mm -hmm. and what's going on what's happened there and it i think it's just infuriating that we know all these problems that are there we know they've existed through administration and administration and nothing gets done nothing because it's more valuable as a political football than anything else and that's just sickening that's exactly, you just said it. It's political football. And, you know, you got one side saying there was like a bill that came up before the legislature last year regarding uh, penalties for, for human trafficking. Right. And it got, it was really controversial. And what really made me mad about that is we're over here getting into a spat about the level of penalties for human trafficking and not actually preventing human trafficking. So if you really want to prevent crime and you're not talking about the income inequality, lack of access to housing, the lack of investment in community-based awareness and prevention programs, the lack of access to education and healthcare and good paying jobs, then you're not really serious about solving the problem of crime. You want to use it as a hot button issue to prey on people's. It's much emotions. more valuable. That's it. It's unfortunate, and that, and we should be as a community. We sh- I feel we should be outraged. I mean, we pay these people, uh, of legislators, money, our tax money, to um, best serve the people, and when they can't, when they, when they, when they toss the ball back and forth because it's more valuable and. In that regard, it's not just that. Uh, and something- well, and also, can I say, Craig? Yes. <laughs> and the reason why it's outrageous is all you have to do is follow the money on both sides. Yes, On both I sides of that. the political aisle to, to see why we can't get affordable housing passed. It's because our legislators are taking money from luxury developers and apartment associations. Yep. And corporate PACs, well, they, don't, they don't want to get affordable housing units built because it flies into direct conflict with their donors. And also there's one other roadblock that is probably under underrated is is the there's so many regulations if someone wants to smart start a small project or an affordable housing the regulations make it so impossible that you'd have to you know um, it's like here's an example Boeing for them to create, to develop a jet and bring it to market takes 5 to 7 years. And the problem with that is that they don't know what the market will be really in five to seven years, what the airlines really want, you know. 
So they've decided that they can't operate that way, that they need to determine what steps they can make that process fast and efficient, which hasn't been worked on in years. Elon Musk is doing that with the automobile. What's fast and efficient? What do we get there to make it happen so that we get use and we use technology to make it happen? So I that's another thing with housing, I feel, is that there it the tiny homes. You want to put a tiny home, a tiny home will maybe cost you twenty, thirty thousand dollars if you find one nice. You should spend another thirty or forty thousand dollars getting all the permits, the sewer, the license, the and the and the zoning uh requirements addressed and you may not be able to do it because of all the regulation and now you know so you know move out in the desert i don't know by Cal- the city the california city have you heard of it out in the desert no it's it's a development that springs <laughs> <laughs> well it's a, it's a huge development that was put up there i think in the 70s and the guy that started it so all the streets are divided, they're subdivided, there's sewer, water, power all there, and it's been sitting there because no one wants to go out and live in the flatlands of the California when there's nothing else there. And I thought, someone should buy, you know, 20 lots, that's all you'd need, well, 25 lots, and put tiny houses and start a community. Well, we need we need upzoning in the state. We need to upzone oh, our I laws like and make sure we get... It make it easier for people to build things like ADUs. But to be clear, you know, so for me, more housing means we drive down costs and get more people access to shelter and housing. But mm-hmm. for me, we need significant investments in renter protections, um, making sure we prevent homelessness, and then investing in affordable housing solutions. For me, that's mixed density, social use, and mixed use housing near transportation hubs, like the Irvine-Tustin Railway Corridor, which is one of the busiest railway corridors in the state. We could be building housing all up along that corridor. It gets people off the roads and into alternatives to transportation, which also helps us reduce our carbon emissions and reduces traffic congestion. A win-win-win. Plus, they have uh, they can live a, a bit remote from their employment and not have uh, in a more affordable area where their employment might be in a high rent area. But we just need more housing, period. Yeah. And it's not going to happen while our, our elected officials are taking money from the same special interest groups that would really prefer to keep building luxury housing in favor of oh affordable housing units. So that's the problem. The problem is soaring costs and lack of affordable housing. And it's causing a ripple effect throughout the entire market, driving up rents. Lack of uh, supply is driving up the rents. Little statistic for you: fifty-five percent of homes in Orange County cost over a million dollars. What? The average median <laughs> income, individual yearly median income in Orange County, is forty point seven thousand dollars a year. In order to afford a two-bedroom rental in the Irvine metropolitan area, an individual must make ninety-nine thousand dollars a year in order to afford that two-bedroom rental and their basic human needs. It's arithmetic. And it doesn't add up. <laughs> I love it. It doesn't add up. So on top of living wages and so, investments in renter protections, we need more affordable housing. I like that you state. feel that math has something to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> more than just politics. You think it should just it should just be basic math, but it, it, exactly. It it took a confluence of sociopolitical circumstances to get us to this crisis, and I think the inaction about it is one of the major reasons why I'm running. And it's t- like I said, it's time for a new generation of leaders. You're going to get serious. About I just love that. I, I, I mean, Katie Porter, I love it. <laughs> I love, she's a she's a new one, right? You can, 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 relatively, relatively new. 
but she has a very, a very, um, uh, um, I don't know, very understandable approach. Kind of un, un muddied, kind of clear, kind of basic that you can that you can kind of grab to, and because I, I think you know. Well, that's because it's well, common sense, Craig. Yeah, you common know, the sense. Thing that, the thing they want to say about people like myself and, and like Congresswoman Porter is, oh, they, they're, they're radical. You know, they want to bring radical policies. Yeah. None of this is radical. This nope. is common sense policymaking. The people that want to call this kind of solution-oriented um, policymaking radical are the people that really have a vested interest in it not changing. And I'm not really so much worried about those folks. I'm worried about the people who need solutions they need to be able to afford a place to live and to be able to provide for their families my mom immigrated here from iran with four kids she spoke barely any english she worked multiple jobs went to school at night i shared a bedroom with her until i was 17 in a two-bedroom apartment in irvine so we struggled and sacrificed back in the 90s and early aughts when i was growing up um and but we barely made it. Eventually, my mom got a good union job. She was a children's social worker. She did that job for 25 years because the terms of her MOU allowed for her to be paid time and a half for overtime hours worked. And that was the only way we could afford to pay the rent. I, I worked a, my first job was a, was a paper route for the Irvine World News because it was 30 <laughs> extra dollars a week for our family. So it was not easy for us growing up here, but we made it work. I am worried that even with those circumstances, a family like ours would have no way to survive here in Orange County or Good throughout enough. the state today. And that to me is a major, major problem if we really care about leaving behind a world that's better than the one that we inherited. So, Wow. Yeah, <clears throat> that's scary. I'm, I didn't realize those, num those numbers are... If you're just tuning in, this is Craig on Rainbow Radio, and I have my guest back for the second time for... He's running for uh, Senate District, California Senate District number 37. Yes. Which includes Irvine, Tustin, Costa Mesa, Laguna Niguel, Laguna Woods, Orange, Fullerton, Lake Forest, Aliso Viejo, Tribuco Canyon. Did I get them all? I think so. So listen up, you folks out there. It's, this is uh, 2024 is politics. It's an election year, as they say, and it's a very important year. And with that, uh, I want to draw back to your comment about your um, about well being gay, and that it was really more of a non-issue that you felt a lot of the the people that you met, particularly met particularly younger ones, it was a non-issue, mm -hmm. and they were more interested in the substantive part of your. In campaign. fact, I got in trouble for it. People are like, "Can you like lean out of the identity politics?" And I thought I was like introducing myself to people, and people are like, "We really want to hear what you're going to do." And I was like, "Okay, point taken." You know, oh, it wow. really was so much of a non-issue that people really were like, "I don't really care that you're gay." And I'm like, "Okay, cool. Um, that's great. That's to me, that's yeah, really positive. Yes, cool. Especially in Orange County. Yes, cool. <laughs> okay, let's talk about housing and education and healthcare. Let's talk about public safety. Let's talk about climate. Do you? Um, I I guess one concern I have for twenty twenty four is that the youth vote, the younger guys, the younger girls, the our younger generation. I hope they're in, in as engaged as much as possible. Do you? What do you get any perspective on that? I think that uh, if we care about making, I'll speak as a Democrat, although if your listeners are Republican, I want your support too. I yes. think this yes. isn't about party lines so much for me, but if you're a Democrat, for instance, and you care about continuing to make progress, I think that um, you run the risk of losing young voters if you don't start running young um, 
progressive candidates and Run for candidates office. that are talking about the issues that matter. And they are willing to give up their vote. They're not loyal to a party. They're willing to give up your, their vote if the party that they voted in is not uh, accomplishing what they put them there to do. And I'm very clear that that's the risk that we are facing. And it's a big part of why I'm running. Uh, and 25% of this state Senate district is under the age of 30, which is really mm. wild. A quarter of the voters here are young voters. So if they just all voted. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would be a different um, political landscape. And it doesn't, you know, I'm running for the state legislature, but it's not lost on me either that the road to defending the House majority or obtaining the House majority for for any political party actually runs through Southern California with these Orange County and LA congressional seats. So mm -hmm. uh, what we do here is really matter, really matters. I'm hoping that this state Senate race helps trickle votes up to the Orange County um, congressional seat that we've got up, uh, open seat, and that we are able to hold on to that seat for Democrats because it's gonna potentially change the balance of the US Congress. You know, right here in Laguna Beach this week, we uh, have a new mayor, Sue Kemp, and uh, a new mayor pro tem, and they're both uh, recently elected to the to uh, city council. And um, they're well, the Alex, his name's Alex too. Runagi. Yeah, Runagi. Iranian guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, he's Iranian yes, as well. Yes, and he's oh, like twenty-five or something. He's like, yeah, they're everywhere. Yeah. I had no idea. We're we're everywhere. <laughs> We have the largest diaspora of Iranians outside of Iran here in Southern California. Oh, wow. And not a single, I'll note, representative in the California legislature. That's not, that's unfortunate. So, I, I mean, even uh, Laguna Beach is um, moving along, I think, uh, in it to a new, a, new, a new phase. It's maybe a new generation. I didn't know Alex's um, age. You say he's 25? Oh, don't quote me, but he's young. <laughs> Yeah. He's young. He makes me feel he's, like I'm, uh, like uh, you know, approaching my midlife crisis. He's very thoughtful in his presentations, and and he uh, it seems like when he talented when someone presents an argument, he's not afraid to speak his and give his his reasons, and they all seem to be very logical. Uh, before I've been to city council many times, and I often watch it from home when it's because they do as of COVID. There are some benefits from COVID. Because like city, the city council meetings are all can you can talk to city council from your home, you know, which is really nice. And for a small community, and there's a lot of people have a lot, a lot of opinions. I might add, mm -hmm. <laughs> as I found out when we wanted to do the rainbow tower at West Street Beach, but we've eventually got it and got it in there, and we have a rainbow lifeguard tower. I don't know if you knew that, city councils yeah. they be wild in. <laughs> so. Yeah, so it's been it's been fun and crazy. So, um, what else is on your agenda here? I know uh, when is when do when do they have the election day? Primary election is March fifth, uh, oh, wow. and so but your mail ballots will start coming out about a month before that, and so January in January we'll start door knocking. We will knock on around fifty thousand doors. Wow, we will be on around four hundred and fifty thousand pieces of mail <laughs> and we plan to phone and text bank 120,000 voters. Wow. And all of that costs 
a lot, a lot of, of money. money. Mm-hmm. So a lot of our work in, in running this campaign has been raising money. And you know, I told I said at the outset of the campaign, I would take no corporate PAC money, no fossil fuels money, no special interest money. I'm not taking money from developers or apartment associations. I'm not taking money from corporate healthcare lobbies because I want to be free to advocate for real solutions. And we've raised a good amount of money, just grassroots, but we still need to raise a little more if we want to you know, really hit the the kind of mm-hmm. robust campaign that we want. So we have a couple more months. And if your listeners are listening and want to chip in 50 bucks, 100 bucks, <laughs> uh, visit me at alex4ca.com and Get chip in, in there because we need uh, we need your support. Uh, who is it? It's who is running for this for the 40, 37th district? Uh, well, it? there are a handful of Republicans running. Um, they're kind of clamoring for the seat. The, the incumbent Dave Min is running for Congress. So he's kind of left the seat. And then there's a nearby democratic state Senator who's got redistricted into this district. Who's running for it as well. But I take quite an issue with his voting record on things like climate and housing. And, Hmm. um, he's taken money from fossil fuels industries and has a failing score from courage campaign and Sierra club and Enviro voters. So I think in an open seat, we can do a little better than that kind of leadership in the state Senate. Yeah. Hmm. I keep, um, it really has nothing to do, but I keep wanting to say this and I, so I will, I, you know, Elon Musk wants to do a lot about the environment. That's what he says his goal is. And I do yeah, feel, yeah, Elon. no, but wait, no, it's wait. about the bottom. Though. No, I, I believe that I, I believe that he is sincere in that. I really, I really feel that now. It's a vehicle to get what to get his business going. Yes, it it, it is a vehicle for many things. A vehicle, huh. anyway. <laughs> well, he also takes a lot of government to, subsidies. Alex, you have to no, but see, this is where I I think there's just tons and. I'm tons. not saying it's bad. I, I think we should be funding clean energy. Yeah, companies that it, it serves our interests. There's tons and tons of FUD. Now, FUD. Now think about this. What is the largest economy in the world? Probably. Uh, well, statistically, it's the it's a fossil fuel industry, and running second to that is healthcare, and the automobile industry is probably third place somewhere in there. So, and the other one is the how people do funding, whether it's an MBA on Wall Street or the Wall Street dogs and all the the Wall Street money that's out there. And I do think we have a generation of MBAers. It's all about seizing businesses and making th- next quarter profits good for shareholders. Mm-hmm with no long-term vision, no long-term credibility to what they, their mission is or doing something good that's, that's positive. Mm-hmm. I feel that mentality and that culture has overtaken the business on businesses on so many levels with, and I don't want to disparage MBAers. I think there's probably a lot of good MBAers. <laughs> if you have an MBA listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot of MBAers that that's their culture is how to find a business and, you know, maybe tear it apart, file bank- bankruptcy, and walk away with a big bonus, you know? Mm-hmm. And I do think that happens. I think GM is going through a lot of stuff right now where they're they're taking care of the shareholders and likely will have to have some financial problems in the in the future, but they can take care of shareholders in a big way right now. <laughs> Your listeners are missing it because we're not on Zoom today. It's too okay. hot in here, Craig. I'm, I'm sorry, it's warming up. I'm taking my so, jacket off. So... So what I'm what I want to say is there is billions and billions of dollars that well let me let me let me finish that so the the economy culture which is money and uh, the Fed and and uh, Wall Street 
the fossil fuel industry and the automobile industry and the energy industry, which is run by the nuclear regulatory agency, essentially runs it in the United States. All those industries are being majorly disrupted by one person in, in a huge way, and it's Elon Musk. There is billions of dollars in interest to disparage him, make him look as terrible. In the space industry, we didn't even talk on that. Uh, to, 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 if they can't assail his brilliant technology and, his, and the products that he creates, they'll assail him personally. They'll do anything. It's like anything to save their goose and slow down any trans... First, they were going to get rid of it. They can't get rid of it now. It's too, the genie's out of the bottle. And there's more people that want... Uh, the, the more they try to disparage, I think, Tesla automobiles, the more people are, are happy with them. You know, I'm, there's some that aren't, but there's, there, there's more... A kind of a cult, I would say, of sorts. I hate to say that. But anyway, I think when we think about that, like, we need to think about... The, that money that's out there that's trying to do um, to do its deed. Well, special interest money has yeah. has really done a number on our democracy, on our economy, on preventing us from actually getting real solutions. And so if your listeners are listening and you happen to be one of the people listening that has an income of over $50 million a year, I want... You know, I'm in, uh, strongly in favor of a wealth tax uh, in California on just the top tenth of a percentage of wage earners. That means $50 million yearly or more, or 1% tax will on those income earners will generate tens of billions of dollars in revenue for this state. And it's time they made paid their fair share. That same demographic, their share of wealth has nearly doubled over the last 40 years while average worker pay has stagnated. And I think it's time they paid their fair share and for us to take that revenue and really invest in our communities, invest in housing, invest in healthcare, invest in education, and uh, for them to pay their fair share. And, and I think we have to start leading the way on campaign finance models with our elected officials that reject the influence of those industries, which is why I've taken the pledge to take none of that money. It's two things here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, I, um, when they passed the, they had to do the budget so we didn't have the government have money, you know, they had to approve the budget. And they tagged on that a bill, the, uh, one of the parties did, that recently i think it was i forget they wanted to hire they wanted to up the irs so that they could pursue people that weren't paying their taxes it wasn't a matter of and they end up pursuing low-income wage earners well they They don't really audit rich well well but (laughs) this additional money was to go after supposedly the people that had more money so when they passed the bill they for to keep the fund the government to keep it going you know they attach other bills to the to it and that's one that they attached to remove the funding from the irs so that they could go after taxpayers that really should be paying taxes and it wasn't the low-income people it was it was the it was the millions of dollars and there was some argument you're 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 costing the government a lot of money by doing that i disagree that you should attach bills to a a primary bill that have nothing to do with a primary bill. 
I think that is that's holding hostage, and I know that's the culture. And just recently, when they did the military bill, which was just this week, there was a bunch of part of that bill which was very anti-gay and legislature that it got watered down a little bit, but it's still part of the bill. Now, what does it have to do with the military and defense of our country? It cuts both ways, Craig. You know, I'm generally not in favor of doing the, of this practice either, but I will note that some of the some of um, Biden's accomplishment as president, he was really able to accomplish by getting things like the Build Back Better and infrastructure bill passed and sneaking in things like climate provisions into those bills. So it serves us when it serves us and it doesn't when it doesn't. Oh, there you have but, a good point. I have you to know, say. Um, it's, it, is, it is not preferred that we pass legislation that way. Of course not. But uh, we live at a unique time where we have uh, a lot of obstruction, especially at the federal level, which is really why I'm running for the California State Senate. Because here in California, <laughs> our state legislature, you know, people aren't really paying attention to it. And we are the fourth largest economy in the world. I know. We Talk to Governor here, Newsom. <laughs> says what we do and say here matters. We have a real opportunity to be global leaders on tech and science innovation, on healthcare, on climate, yes. on pressuring foreign countries into ending human rights abuses uh and yes. we can do so much here and people don't really pay attention to the state ledge races and we have the ability to really elect progressive That's a real community-based legislators here and the impact of that on the state and even in the world is really profound I think that's a really profound point you've yeah. made there, that, that what we do locally really has a, a ripple effect uh, globally. Yeah. You Listen, know? the federal government is gridlocked and there's a lot. There's a lot. Uh, I'm clear that we've got a, like a U.S. Senate that we've got the Democrats have the majority in the U.S. Senate by one or two votes, but represent more than 40 million more Americans than Republicans do. And Republicans can still block any piece of Democratic legislation using this filibuster tool requiring anything be passed through a supermajority vote. Yeah. So we got that in the U.S. Senate. The House flips back and forth between parties. We got a Supreme Court that's stacked by unpopularly elected Republican presidents who ran, ran through their <laughs> nominees. So the federal government, the federal picture is um, it's dire. It's really important that we focus on it. We have to continue to make strides at the federal level. But here in California, we we can really make a dent and a change. And that's why the state legislature is wow. so important. I you know what you've just said in the last two minutes there. It just uh, it sum summarizes so many things that have rolled around in my brain, and I think you're absolutely right on there, Alex. Uh, uh, a, a really clear appraisal of what's going on in the federal level. And it, and it does sound that we can empower ourselves by working on the state level, and that's really important. And, and at every level. I mean, like local politics is so important. You were talking about showing up at city councils on the campaign trail, but even before I started running, I, I always show up to school boards and city councils. I was at Irvine Unified School District last week giving public comment because there was uh, a group there that was trying to get a forced outing policy for LGBTQ kids. And you have to show up to those kinds of school board meetings. You gotta show up, you gotta give public comment. 
I do that all the time, and participating at all levels of government is so, so important. Well, that's what Billy Joe said, my former prior I guest. Billy I think Joe. it was last Billy week. Billy Joe Wright, if you're listening to this. <laughs> Isn't he the greatest? Yes, he, he and he says, if, if you're just a body in the audience, that helps. Just be a body, you know, I, if you I, can't that's do anything true. else. And I, I got up, I gave public comment in favor, uh, in opposition to any kind of forced outing policy. And at the end of my public comment, I said, if you believe that we in the power of unity through diversity and that we should protect lgbtq kids and you're sitting in the audience right now and you agree with that please stand up and everybody stood up (laughs) and there were like five people who didn't and Um. i thought the impact of of those five people staying seated think about what you just stood stayed seated for you don't believe in protecting lgbtq kids and it and you know so yeah even being a body in the room um yeah. It's really powerful and important. Astute, Billy Joe Wright. And <laughs> for anyone astute. who's listening who wants to get involved with LGBTQ local politics, Lavender Dems, Orange County. Check them out. Fantastic Absolutely. group. We should get uh, you and him together in one room here. That would be fun. That would be fun. I like I, I like him a lot. Yeah, I what a what a um I mean I'm I had more comments of that uh, program, positive comments. I was just blown away. So apparently I'm doing something right. We're going to take a short music break here. All right, music break. I'm going to be back with Alex, and we're going to talk more about uh, saving the world, the planet, and all the good things uh, to come. Oops, I got the wrong mouse. Uh, So let's let's take it away here. Jingling, ring, ting, tingling, too. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. Outside the snow is falling and friends are calling you. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. Giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, let's go. Let's look at the show. We're riding in a wonderland of snow. Yep, 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 it's grand, just holding your hand. We're gliding along with a song of a wintry fairyland. Our cheeks are nice and rosy and comfy, cozy are we. We've snuggled close together like two birds of a feather would be. Let's take that road before us and sing a chorus or two. Come on, it's lovely weather for us, they ride together with you. There's a birthday party at the home of Farmer Gray. It'll be the perfect ending of a perfect day. We'll be singing the songs we love to sing without a single stop. At the fireplace where we'll watch the chestnuts pop. Pop, pop, pop. There's a happy feeling nothing in the world can buy. When they pass around the coffee and the pumpkin pie. It'll nearly be like a picture print by Courier and Ives. These wonderful things are the things we remember all through our lives. These wonderful things are the things we remember all through our lives. Just hear those sleigh bells jingling, ring, ting, tingling, too. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. Outside the snow is falling and friends are calling you. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. Giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, let's go, let's look at the show. 
Oh, that was David Archuleta, and he's, uh, come and get it, I'm yours. <laughs> he uh, was an American Idol winner a few a few years ago, actually a runner-up to first place. And uh, he uh, kind of drifted away, and now he's back with a vengeance and decided that he is out and free and honest and sincere with himself. It's a great video if you want to watch it on YouTube. Come and get it, I'm yours, David Archuleta. And before that was uh, Johnny Mathis, and my favorite Christmas song of all times. Johnny Mathis, who is 84 and came out in 82. <laughs> and he's Maybe he's 86 Wait, now. Wait, Johnny Mathis came out? He did, <laughs> in 82, a long time ago, when oh, it wow. wasn't cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a millennial, you guys. <laughs> I don't even know who Johnny Mathis oh, is. Oh, come on. <laughs> Look at... <laughs> Look at me, I'm as restless as a kitten up a tree. You know that song, Misty? Oh, oh please. Was that on TRL? No. <laughs> yeah, check it out on uh, on uh, TikTok, you know. it's You know, another another song that, uh, do I have that? Oh, I got to play it. Uh, uh, Sand, is it Sandra D? Look at me, I'm Sandra D. Is no, it's... it's um, rocking around the Christmas tree. 63 years ago, she released this song and it, it kind of made a few inroads now. And then I, it got featured in, uh, home alone. Uh, I, I think home alone two, And he did rocking around the Christmas tree was a song they used in the movie. And so here we are in 2023 and it's the number one hit on the top billboard charts this right now. Wow. And I would just assume it's Mariah Carey from the month no, of November. No, she bumped through. them all out, and she is like as she is. She's all about four foot two inches tall. Wow. And well, maybe maybe she's four eight. I don't know, but she's very short. And she's in her eighties. I think she's 80, 82, 86, I forget. And and, and she's uh, so she did a music video for it, and she's just knocked it off the charts i just think it's so great i you know rocking around the christmas tree if you want to watch it, it watch it you'll, you'll laugh you'll cry it's just crazy the video she did was with her kids and her grandkids and everyone's kind of rocking out with granny and and having a good time in it it's a very heartwarming christmas video and to think that in the interview and she's pretty humble about it all it's like like she something she didn't expect in her um advanced years you know Hey, <laughs> she's the average age of our elected officials. She's in her golden prime. The average age of, of 82 Congress. sounds about right. Time to run for yeah. office. Maybe she should run for president next. There you go. <laughs> There's still hope for me. I could still run for office. Oh, you're well before yeah. your time. You're well before your time. So, um, we took a break. This is, I could just so you know, this is KXFM. I, it's our top of the hour. So it's a Rainbow Radio, KXFM. New time slot, 10 a.m. to noon on Sundays, henceforth from today forward. And I'm here with a, uh, my first guest on our, my new hours, and that's Alex. Alex, your last name? Mohajer, which Mohajer. is Farsi, Persian for immigrant. It actually means immigrant. Oh, my. Really? Yeah. Isn't that wild? That is really wild. I guess it was destined to be. Then. I know. Right. <laughs> you never know. And he's running for Senate District 37 for the California State. And we were just going, waxing on about how much we love California and how it likes to, you know, it's kind of like when the federal government doesn't do things, California says, oh, well, what the hell? We'll do our own thing. 
in, in a lot of ways. Well, we have the power to. Yeah, yeah certainly. And also, don't get me wrong. I talk a lot about things that are that need fixing in this state and the way we have significant inroads to make on certain issues. But I love California and I love Orange County. It's a place that gave me and my family so much. I just want to make sure we're making good on the promise of America and the promise of California for the next generation because we've lived through, listen, over the last few years, the world has changed even over the last few years, let alone from when I grew up here. We've lived through Trump, George Floyd, COVID-19, Black Lives Matter, an insurrection, a housing crisis, an opioid crisis, a, a climate crisis, a student debt crisis. You know, I think it's become clear to me that these crises are not really bugs of the system. They're features in our system. Yeah. And it doesn't, we don't have to keep going this way. Well, <laughs> There's an off ramp. We can get real <laughs> solutions to these problems. Now I'm going to take you back to a time prior to you when the Vietnam war was going on and the oil prices were skyrocketing mm -hmm. and unemployment was, and there were riots in LA mm -hmm. And it, the whole world seemed like it was, our president got assassinated. Martin Luther King got assassinated. Yeah. Yeah. Bobby Kennedy got assassinated. Mm -hmm. All these political leaders were being assassinated. And, and the war was going on and costing us millions of dollars. And it was being shown for the first time on our TVs in our own living rooms. Mm -hmm. That changed a lot. Sure. Putting that in, in the living room. And now, so I'm going to step forward to social media now. I, while it, it can create a lot of misinformation, it also, I feel, holds a lot more people accountable. Everyone's got a phone, and if you say something and, and criticize something and, and state your position, and then you become a hypocrite a month or two years later. <laughs> we end up. You know, but we also end up doing nothing. <laughs> well, that, that's look true. At, uh, look at half of Congress. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. half of Congress, they keep their jobs. They, you know, they that's, that's what I want to see. I want to see your job description. You know, if, <laughs> if it was a business, you'd want to see your job and, and give some kind of performance evaluation. And wouldn't that be fun? Well, actually, it would be a fun project. Yeah. To take on uh, the... Um, take on Congress and like you were, you were their boss and say, okay. And you know, you could do faux interviews with all the different congressmen and, and go back to their, their stuff. And okay. Well, you, how many times did you vote this time? Oh, you didn't vote. Oh, oh yeah. You didn't participate. Hmm. Oh, no. that's, that's the other thing that drives me a little <laughs> nuts about the California legislature is how many people abstain from votes that they find controversial. It's a thing. It's uh, abstention oh. voting. They don't want to vote no, so they just walk out the room and they don't vote at all. And a lot of great legislation has, uh, has died in the California legislature because of that. And because we don't pay so close attention to our California legislators and our California ledge races, hmm. that kind of practice has been allowed to sort of skate by for a long time. You know, time, there should be some accountability. Not on my watch, Craig. <laughs> Good. Not on my there, watch. There should be some accountability. Yeah. You know, I'm, if you're not, if you're avoiding the vote, that's what you're being paid to do. That's, is, and know. that's what primaries are for. And that's why yeah. I'm taking on, you know, I'm taking on some of the political establishment in this race. I have not pleased a lot of the, the party <laughs> establishment. Uh, they do not want me to run. I am shaking things up. I am kind of disrupting the established order a little bit in this race. And I'm okay with that because we need uh, disruption in, the f in support of solutions, real solutions. And it's time we hold our elected officials accountable. 
here in Absolutely. California. You know, change does disrupt, but change is a constant. Yeah. It's always here. I thought when someone, well, I, w- I don't want to change, you know, how can you not want to change? I mean, it, I, I, my mantra is uh, the certainty of change brings a certainty of opportunity, you know. Uh, some change is, uh, is um, well, I do feel that there's always opportunity. So I like to be the, what did, what did uh, Billy, uh, Billy Joe say? Uh, I'm the infernal optimist. What was that? Did he say that? Yeah. Someone said they're infernal, infernal, infernal optimist. I'd like to be an infernal optimist, not an inter- eternal one, but an infernal one. I never give up. <laughs> it's all good. Um, I was, I wanted to go on more about California. What, um, I want to, I want to take Laguna beach off the grid. Did I tell you that last you time? You said that last time. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess well, I haven't listen, made much I progress. <laughs> something that I want to do at the California state legislature is significant capital improvement projects that help us get people in a sense to be able to control their own electricity, to get solar panels, to invest in solar and wind infrastructure, uh, to help solarize weatherproof our homes, public schools and buildings, and our communities. Uh, and climate adaptability plans now will save the state hundreds of billions of dollars later. And I think we need significant capital improvements to get that to get that done. And to update our electric grid, which is ill-prepared for the coming electric economy, by the way. There you go. Yeah. So I, I I think here's a bill. Whereas, isn't that how you're supposed to introduce a bill? Whereas, 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 whereas yes, therefore, that's, that's therefore, a proper resolution. Yeah, mm-hmm. whereas, whereas. So <laughs> therefore, be there, it resolved that. Be it resolved that. <laughs> that's Robert's Rules of Order, yeah. first class. You yeah. know, <laughs> but um, uh, the here's a, I actually wrote to um, oh. Okay. A senator for uh, San Francisco Bay, and I can't remember his name right now. I wrote him a letter, and I should I should have brought it with me. Anyway, um, Scott Weiner, are you thinking about Weiner? Yeah, mm-hmm. Weiner. Mm-hmm. So I, I wrote him a letter, and I said, you know, Scott, uh, you know, let, Scott, you know, Scott. Let me tell you, listen here, Scott. <laughs> Get a cocktail. I need to talk to you. <laughs> I said, so say you're living in a high rise condo, and you own the condo, and your power bill's like six hundred dollars a month because that's what it is, and what can you do about it? You, you can't do a damn thing. You can't you can't put a solar panel. You can't buy power cheaper from someone else. You're kind of like you're kind of screwed. You're mm-hmm. kind of stuck to the wall there. Okay, mm-hmm. but if you live in a home that maybe costs the same amount or maybe even less, you can put a solar panel on your roof and you can enjoy and have that freedom. And is that fair? No. And by the way, the California Public Utilities Commission is actively trying to get rid of something called net metering, which makes it harder for renters and people who live in communities where they have shared energy infrastructure to implement solar power into their homes. And I want to fight back against those efforts because we want to make sure we get solar to everybody, not just single family homeowners. Well, okay. And there's also about homeowners association. That's another whole ball of wax. But so I said to to Mr. Wiener. I said, what, what would be wrong? Because these people are kind of locked in the, the land, the, 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 the association has no interest in providing cheap power. Uh, it doesn't behoove them. Or if you're a landlord and you have an apartment 
complex of 200 units and everyone's paying $3,000 a month, you have no incentive to give them cheap power. You know, it's, it's all, it's, all, it, 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 it's counter to their, your business model or your MBA education, I should say. I, I go on. You're really coming for MBAs today. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> those suits, I hate them. No, excuse me. So I said, why can't it be legislated that if you are in a complex like that, you legally can contract with a, with a uh, solar farm and have so many panels that you could have as designated as here. So you would make your investment as you would if you were a homeowner. You own those solar panels and that power can be um, harvested and sold back to the community or you can the power company should allow you credit for that power that has been produced on your uh, your solar panel. Our technology is there. We can track it all now. We don't it have It seems to. pretty common sense, doesn't it? Yeah. So I wonder why it doesn't get done, Craig. I don't know. There well, there probably there's a little financial interest in there. So what do you think, Alex? Think I'll the, ask you. I think the fossil fuels industry and other special interest groups really not don't want to see that happen. What's well, a bit <laughs> That would help the growth of solar tremendously, I would think. I think the growth of solar threatens the existence of the fossil fuels industry. Well, there you go. And that's what I think. It's when you're disrupting it, like Elon Musk, you get a lot of stuff. Like all the, there's all the government agencies are coming after him on every level. And I think there's some, there's a lot of influence there. It's good for our economy. It drives down costs for consumers. It makes power more sustainable. It's good for the environment. It is also the future. In order to remain competitive on the world stage, yes. to be global leaders on tech and science and climate innovation, it's time to get it done. We can't exist in the paradigm of 40 years ago and expect mm-hmm. to continue to grow. We mm-hmm. will stagnate. Our economy will fall behind. It is time to meet the needs and the demands of the coming clean energy economy. Hallelujah! It's time. <laughs> when did Americans... When, when I, the America I know is an America that takes bold, innovative strides, doesn't yep. it isn't afraid to be a global leader. And it's time that we assumed our position as global leaders on things like innovation again. And we can do that by bringing a clean energy economy. And we can start here in California, the fourth largest economy in the world. There, there you go. Yeah. And, and vote for Alex. Yes, Alex Mohajer. <laughs> I'll be on your ballots March 5th. Alex4ca.com. Spell out the word for. Please visit me. Uh, I'm on Instagram at Alex Mohajer. I post lots yeah. of fun content and Serious, I need your support. Seriously, please go to Alex's website. And if you can just give $5 even, that's great. Listen, you know? $5 knocks <laughs> on a door, two, two doors, you know? Two doors. Yeah, okay. that'll knock on two doors. 50 bucks will knock on something like 30 doors. My math skills wasn't my strong suit. But yeah, I mean, help chip in because every dollar you donate will help us contact just one more voter. And uh, we need your help to make it happen. uh, And especially the youthful vote. I don't know. I I really want them to come out out for you. well, we've got a lot of Show college, for you. a lot of college students, <laughs> and twenty, like I said, twenty five percent of the district under the age of thirty, and we're gonna we're gonna go to young voters. Um, what else you got going, Alex? Before I go into some news here, maybe. Oh, uh, that's kind of what's up with the campaign. Um, we have some very exciting announcement uh, endorsements that we can't announce publicly yet. Oh no! But they're big, <laughs> and they're coming in the next week or two. And um, you we're just—you can't just you know um, 
No. A very <laughs> in some very important na- national organizations and important local elected officials. HRC, I'll bet. I bet well, they don't one. endorse in state legislatures, unfortunately. <sighs> but stay tuned, <laughs> and you can do that at alex4ca.com. <laughs> Shameless plug. I'm so sorry. Uh, no, no, no. That's that's fine. That's fine. That's great. Um, if you, I I could say that the the phone lines are open. Ooh. Nine four nine. I can't ever remember the phone number. Hold on. Seven one five five nine three six. It's our request line on the on the website if you want. I'm on the so if you have a question, line. you can call in and we'll see if I can fumble through the phone controls and get you on air. Only civilized questions that would be. You know, I've said we might talk about a little bit of news going on in, in history here and, and have a, a conversation because I think I love to have conversations with Alex. Let's see. LGBTQ Russians are ordinary people in a new photo book working to combat rising hate in the country. Wow. That's a headline? That's the L- headline. <laughs> LGBTQ people are ordinary people in Russia. Yeah. They're, t- they're trying to tell people because you know what Russia did? What? They claimed them a radical, that they're a radical a Well, radical it's a hostile group. place. Yeah. Yeah. So but that, that headline's pretty unbelievable. Yeah. 2023. So I want, where's the other? Um, the re- Oh, yeah. This, so this is what they're doing. Police in Moscow um, raid Moscow gay bars after top courts LGBTQ claim their extremist designation. So they're raiding the bars now. Uh, scary time yeah it is russian forces have raided <clears throat> gay bar clubs and gay bars across moscow, moscow shortly after the ruling by the country's top court it designated lgbtq movement as extremist police officers um searched venues across russia's capital uh, late friday including a nightclub a male male saunas and a bar that hosted lgbtq parties under the pretense of drug rate of a drug raid according to local media i would not I love California. (laughs) Well, you know, but we can't get complacent here in California. No, no. You know, I've seen what's gone gone down at these school board meetings and the city council meetings. And then, you know, the Orange County Board of Supervisors just voted to ban the pride flag. I know that that seems small in comparison to what's happening in Russia, but I find it very alarming about what it portends for the future if we don't wise up we can't take anything for granted and we lgbtq rights was something hard fought i stand on the shoulders to even run for california state senate on generations of lgbtq people i honor martha p johnson and sylvia rivera and larry kramer and uh um edith windsor and the the brilliant folks who paved the way for me to just be an ordinary LGBTQ candidate, but our thoughts were, our rights were hard fought in this country and we can't take them for granted. And I have been so shocked at some of the comments that I've heard at these school board meetings from some of the folks that would really love to just strip our rights away and make sure we go away to nothing and who would, who want our LGBTQ kids to disappear. And um, the things that they say to justify their positions are absolutely shocking and, and, Everything from calling us groomers to um, suggesting we want to like, you know, pedophiles, it's sick and it's and it's sad. And we need to make sure we are really um, 
vigilant about this right now. And part of why I'm running is I, I think part of it is getting queer people elected to office, but also so important that we participate and um, protect LGBTQ kids and vulnerable communities. Yeah. Yeah. I did Including in Russia. And there's a whole new protection that needs to come about too, and that's for trans people. I didn't, I didn't realize, you know, I'm older and I thought, well, I knew all what trans was all about until I had a couple of guests on and really understood more clearly the hardships that that whole group has that are, um, I, in a lot of ways, much more harsh than just being gay, you know, mm-hmm. they've got to fight multiple battles and, um, it's so poorly understood on so many levels in the community. Mm-hmm. And a lot of well-meaning people think they're doing the right thing, just like conversion therapy was considered a, a helpful thing by many people for many years until uh, the curtain got pulled back and found out that it's a money-making enterprise that has uh, poor results and has damaging results, in, in fact. So, hmm. Um, I know when we had a, one of the arguments when we got the Rainbow Lifeguard Tower up was that what if a young girl sees that rainbow? Oh, God forbid. What will they think? What will think? they think? <laughs> I, I, I thought, it's so... It's, yeah, you know, I lived in Hawaii. Every license plate has a, a rainbow on it. You know, <sighs> what are you supposed to do? Sh- cover their eyes? it's a rainbow everybody it is really not that big of a deal and what i do know is it means so much to a community that had to scrap and claw and fight for every bench of a a bit of rights and recognition under the law yeah it's a symbol of love and inclusion Mm -hmm. and it's a beautiful symbol that should be protected and by the way makes kids feel safe Yes, and, and what's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> and like, my God, my child might see a rainbow. It's like, do we have anything else to worry about? <laughs> I mean, the absurdity of it. When yeah. you, I, I know where their mind is, but what you, it's just like a Truman Capote. When you understand the criminal, doesn't mean you agree with him. But then, but, but Craig, uh, can I just say what makes me really mad about this? Yes. Is that you and me agree. I think most people agree, right? Yeah. But then... This small group of very vocal people drum up so much fear and chaos about this that then our Democratic-leaning Orange County Board of Supervisors bans the pride flag. They kowtow. So what I want to say is if you're an elected official, we need you to lead with moral clarity and courage. You and I both know the rainbow flag poses no threat to anybody and that it's an incredibly important and valuable symbol to a lot of folks. It promotes inclusion and protects vulnerable communities. And if you're on the Board of Supervisors and you voted to ban the pride flag, shame on you because you capitulated to a small group of very loud folks who would rather have us default to fear and distrust of one another rather than embrace uh, what makes us different and and have a community that celebrates unity through diversity and celebrates the parts of us that are different. And that's also what makes America a great country. And if we lose that, then I am worried that we're losing what makes America great. So it upsets me when I see... uh, uh, you know, people capitulate to that kind of fear mongering. Speaking tactic. of capitulation, I draw a similarities with the HOA community. <clears throat> Say there's uh, 200 units in an HOA community, and most of them are families and they're working and they're taking care of things. They have a nice duplex or whatever, but they're busy. And there's a 
a small group of vocal people that have time on their hands that want to dictate what the HOA is going to be doing or saying and that that dictates to the other the rest of the community what they can or can't do. The rest of the community is so busy, so engrossed with what's going on in their daily lives that they don't pay attention to it, unfortunately. And it's too late when it becomes, you know, uh, well, you can't park on the street in front of your house. You can't park in your driveway. No, you, you, your trash can was out after 6 p.m. That's a violation. You know, all this crap that goes on, you know, uh, that... Uh, and so I, I, I just point that out because I think if you understand an HOA and how it works, you understand a, a bit about how politics can work when no one's paying attention. Mm -hmm. And that's the school board. And mm -hmm. that's when they're, they're there being vocal and you're home taking care of your kids. You're, you're running into soccer practice. You're doing all these other things. You're not at that meeting because you're busy taking care of your, your stuff. And that's why school boards are so important, but also can I just stand up for a minute in defense of the Irvine Unified School District? Yes. Because they, when these harmful policies have come up before them, they have uniformly and gently said, no thanks, not here in Irvine. Really? Take, your, take this Did somewhere Did they know they're else. in Orange County? But I was so <laughs> proud because I am, I was so proud to see that I was actually moved to tears and also to hear the students, the high school students, including from kids from who went to the same high school that I went to, stand up and so um, passionately speak up in support of LGBTQ people was wow. so touching, heartwarming. So it's not, a, it's not everywhere. And I wanted to just t hats off to the Irvine Unified School District Fabulous. for just sticking up with moral clarity and courage and without fanfare or drama, just saying like, thanks, we've heard your comments, but we don't need this kind of policy here in Irvine. We're good. Wow. I really appreciated that. And it, you know, it gets well, a lump in my throat even now thinking about it. So we should triumph those, those events like that where good things happen. Yeah. <laughs> Because too often they don't always happen. That's why I wanted to flag for you some positive. Yeah, you know. <laughs> well, see, that's another thing. I look at the news from Alturian, and there's so much negative news on a global level uh, that it's hard to find positive news. You know, um, mm -hmm. uh, let me give you some more headlines here. Okay. And, and, and get, see what we. I'll just randomly take this. Um, Okay, a long journey. Blessings for same-sex couples expose Church in England, Church of England divisions. On Sunday morning, Catherine and Jane will kneel together before the priest at their church to receive a simple prayer of blessing. At the end of the service, the congregation at St. John's Baptist in uh, Flexstow will raise a glass of bubbly instead of the usual cup of tea. Catherine and Jane will be one of the first same-sex couples to be officially blessed by the Church of England after eight years of debate. So this is a positive. Ah. Yes, always impassioned, often rank, rancous, how you rank, rancious, I'm not saying it right. Uh, in the sea and the ease of the ruling body, the General Synod decades Decades of division in a wider, in a wider church. This week, the C of E bishops I don't understand that C of E uh, announced that the clergy would voluntarily use special prayers of love and faith from Sunday. Uh, it is a significant moment, but not the end of the uh, to arguments and campaigns. Progressive Christians will continue to demand full equality, including church weddings and same-sex couples for same-sex couples. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Well, great. 
Now, this is a bad one. Dating app abductions raise in fear of LGBTQ safety in South Africa. So they look at the dating apps, figure out who's gay, and then they go get them. Uh, you know, Isn't that's that a, lovely? You know where that's also a problem is Jamaica. And I actually traveled to Jamaica last year uh, with my dear friend Jasmine Kanick. Uh, she's done a lot of work there in Jamaica for the LGBTQ community. And we actually posed as married and went, did humanitarian work for a week, helping LGBTQ kids get to safe houses in Jamaica because oh my there's gosh. ongoing murders of queer people there and the police just turned the other way. And beyond the carefully, um, carefully crafted facade of like the beautiful resort towns and stuff, there's like ongoing human rights uh, crisis in Jamaica. Oh, I'm taking Jamaica off my vacation yeah. list. Yeah, you ought to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Don't go. <laughs> Don't go. DeSantis revives vicious attacks on LGBTQ families oh. as his campaign flounders. Ron DeSantis. <laughs> in a funding e- fundraising email to supporters on Thursday, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis bashed President Joe Biden for saluting the gay pride flag and falsely <laughs> accused radical liberal parents of child abuse in his latest attempt to revive the floundering presidential campaign by trafficking in anti-LGBTQ stigma and conspiracy theories. A donation to his campaign, DeSantis suggests, would help him save queer and trans kids from their own families. Ah, Governor DeMilkToast. Oh, my. (laughs) Just... And then the move GOP. Along, yeah, let's go, move along, Ron. <laughs> God. Uh, oh, let's see. <clears throat> rainbow Auss- uh, Aussie rugby players can now have rainbow colored shoelaces. Ah. I think that's wonderful. Love it. <laughs> I see progress. You got to take, you take, you it take away whatever take you can. Mm-hmm. The Premier League's phenomenal global reach is a major contrib- contributing factor uh, to the impact of the rainbow laces. I love it. It's difficult to quantify exactly how many people in the LGBTQ plus uh, inclusion campaign reaches worldwide, but we do know that the league itself is one of UK's most successful exports with the estimated TV audience in the billions. So there'll be billions of people seeing rainbow, rainbow shoelaces. shoelaces. I hope girls are not looking at it. Oh, my God. Little, Protect what if a their little eyes. Girl, um, yeah, cover their eyes. Yeah. <laughs> or we're getting bad, aren't we? <laughs> Having two match rounds uh, dedicated to rainbow laces with over 20 clubs activating the initiative provides a visibility, prominence, and surely uh, in sports, ever seen before in sports. (laughs) Just change the word if if you have to. All in the awareness generated through social media and the capacity to spark conversations that can help to reduce homophobia, Biphobia and transphobia <coughs> is enormous. So fabulous, Got We can do rainbow shoelaces. Um, <clears throat> attorneys general oppose proposed federal rule supporting LGBTQ foster kids. That's This is not good news. 19 states, including Nebraska, joined last week to oppose a proposed federal rule that aims to protect LGBTQ youth in foster care and provide them with the necessary services. The attorneys generals led by Alabama, General uh, Attorney General Steve Marshall, argued in a letter to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Resources that the proposed rule, which requires states to provide safe and appropriate 
placements with providers who are appropriately trained about the child's sexual orientation and gender identity amounts to a religious-based discrimination and violates freedom of speech. So that's terrible. Nebraska attorney Mike Hilger said in a statement, the proposed rule unlawfully conditions federal funding and almost certainly will drive parents of faith out of the foster care system. Well, that's fine. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, I, that's enough. I, uh, outed on TikTok in Ethiopia. How about that one? Let's go through the... Uganda court settles date for anti-homosexuality act challenge. So they're going to uh, try and rescind it, but it won't happen in Uganda. They have a lot of things. Queer parents in Italy are living a nightmare as the government cracks down on custody rights. They don't think they should have... Parents should... Uh, that's, in, that's in Italy, right? In Italy. And that's the thing. If you, if you think it can't happen here... Please pay attention to what's happening at your school board. <coughs> Please pay attention your, and, and participate in your school board meetings and <coughs> local city councils. And it starts with a, a pride flag ban here. But um, where that ends is really <coughs> scary to me. And we're seeing this kind of reactionary anti-LGBTQ sentiment kind of uh, across the country and also around the world. I don't think... You know, it's what's happening in Jamaica, but it doesn't mean that it's not scary what's happening here. So, well, you can you can see how it how it progresses. I I did have an article fairly recently. I don't think I talked to you about it, but they talked about one of the you know the U.S. exports a lot of products overseas, and they were talking about the amount of money and the product of um, uh, that was exported a lot to the countries in the continent of Africa. And it's a lot of those religious leaders that um, have gone there to say, to raise money for their own causes and say that uh, the gay agenda is ruining the world and they need to stand up and they need, and so they're using that to make money. And that is one of the exports from the United States. It's our own, it's religious leaders enjoying the freedom of speech which we have a high regard for, but they're taking that to other countries in, um, in a very hateful, unloving, uncaring, destructive way. And that's documented because the financials, as you said, Alex, there's numbers. We can, we can do math here on <laughs> KXFM. <laughs> it's, it's a good thing to do math. <laughs> All right, we're going to follow the money. <laughs> follow the Craig, money, honey. <laughs> follow the money. If your elected officials take money from special interest groups like fossil fuels, corporate PACs, you have to understand our investment in fossil fuels and our reliance on foreign oil is not just a climate issue, it's an economic issue and it's also a human rights issue because our reliance on foreign oil continues to fund oppressive and violent regimes around the world. So our movement Plus, for climate Justice is intersectional to human rights abroad, is intersectional to the liberation of marginalized communities here and abroad. Let's talk about uh, the oil industry subsidies. It's time to end them. Exactly. Yeah, it's time to end fossil fuel subsidies. Well, at least, I mean, please. Yes. I mean, don't feel the fire that's that we're trying to fight in, in the another part of the ship. And California just know? announced a, something like a $60 billion deficit for the first time in a couple years 
And now the other side is drudging up this conversation about cuts. Where are we going to make cuts? And I'm saying let's end fossil fuel Oof. subsidies. Let's end tax loopholes that give tax cuts to corporations and corporate CEOs who are making record profits. The top 0.1% of Californian and American share of wealth has doubled over the last 40 years while average worker pay has stagnated. If you were to place a 1% tax on income over $50 million a year in California, it would affect something like 23,000 families and generate more than $20 billion a year in revenue for the state. We don't have to keep going like this, but we have to wow. start leading with moral courage, fighting a bad a back against the special interest groups that have had a grip on our elected politics for decades and were let off the leash by things like Citizens United. And we got to start electing politicians who don't take money from those same special interest groups if we want to get real solutions passed for everyday people. And by the way, those income earners, the, the $50 million or more a year, God bless you. Thank you. It's time you paid your fair share. And we're talking about a 1% increase here. It's not it's 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 they're not going to feel it as much <laughs> as we might at our income levels and they will be doing a tremendous service for investing in education investing in climate initiatives investing in healthcare dry investments in education and healthcare are the two largest drivers of economic growth in the state investing in those things helps our long-term prospects for things like shoring up revenue and sh and shoring up our economy and becoming globally a global global leading economy so that's what we're going to do and that's what i'm in favor of and then you know other things like other ideas like placing a carbon a well-designed carbon pricing policy on corporate emissions corporations are worst polluters in the state let's place a nominal little tax on the corporate emissions of these large corporations it creates a market-driven mechanism by which we reduce emissions in the state while also generating revenue to fund the clean energy projects that I'm talking about. I, I wish you could really get passionate or behind something here, Alex. I mean, just to show... <laughs> I'm nothing if not riled up on a constant basis. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. Would you want someone who doesn't get riled up, who has no passion, you know, in, 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 uh, in the Senate? No, I don't uh, you think know, so. My opponent's uh, campaign slogan is, let's keep a good thing going, which just drives me nuts. What are you, what are you talking about? Let's keep a good thing going. What are you, which good thing? Is it the fact that California leads the nation in poverty rates? Is the fact that at 55% of the homes in Orange County cost over a million dollars while the average median income here is $40,700 a year? Is the fact that there are bluffs sliding into the ocean or people being gunned down around the corner from here in Tribuco Canyon? Is it, the, is it the fact that tens of thousands of people still go into medical bankruptcy in the state of California every oh, single God. year? Is it the fact that we spend 50% of our state budget on education, but our education scores rank 20 or 30th in the nation? Is it the fact that early reading in this state is abysmal? <laughs> this is a beautiful state. It is the land of promise and opportunity. It is a place that gave yep. me so much, but let's keep a good thing going. We can't afford to keep it going at this rate. <laughs> we need real solutions to these problems. And it's time for people to wake up and 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 push and promote change that invests in a, a vibrant and thriving and well society in this we state. Should, and we can do it. We've got the power to do this here in California. We should replace the whole Senate I'm in, with people like you. <laughs> 
Well, you know, there's a whole new generation of people that's coming yeah. up. You know, I'm I'm just amongst a class of folks that is coming up and saying it's time for a new generation of leaders. The politics of yesterday is over. This yeah. is a this is a political um, philosophy that these this political paradigms that we've lived in. It's time that that they were displaced. It's time that we did did something new and tried something new. So. Um. Oh, I had a, a brilliant thought there, and, and, I, and I lost it. Did um, Sorry, I was rambling. I was <laughs> no, ranting. It's all right. Um, Senate, oh, well. I, I can't remember what it was. Um, maybe I will in a minute. So, uh, the, oh, help me out here, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> what um, you're the the legislate the we, you should ex, explain i think for our listeners about C california legislature a little bit because i i think a lot of people don't understand how it, how it works yeah and i know when i was in college i i learned that we had a senate mm -hmm. and, a, and an assembly yes and that they represent certain districts and and the comment i learned from our poli sci teacher was we don't really know why we have two houses but we have two oh, houses. You want me to give a civic education on <laughs> bicameral legislation? Um, Not <laughs> just a quick overview, so we know what what's happening. Because some people don't know that what, it's a, it's a lot like our federal government. Is we also have a state government and we've got local governments, right? We've got local municipalities like city councils and and county board of supervisors, and then we've got a state government in California, right. which passes state legislation and then we've got the federal government which passes legislation for the whole country right. and federal legislation tends to preempt it does preempt state legislation so if you <clears throat> pass a state bill that conflicts with the federal bill the federal bill preempts it it supersedes anything the state passes but that doesn't mean that states don't have the ability and the power to set their own agenda so here in california we've got a state assembly which operates like a lot like the U.S. House of Representatives. We've got a state Senate that operates a lot like the U.S. Senate. Here in California, we've got 40 state senators and we've got 80 assembly members. So our legislature is 120 members representing the tens of millions of so people that live in the state. So the, the governor, half as many senators, Senate, than there are assembly. Yes. And so the governor, uh, he's the executive. So he sets the agenda uh, and the legislature then works on bills throughout the year, goes through a legislative process, and passes a series of bills that the governor can then veto or sign so into law. Is he kind of like the Speaker of the House in, in a sense? No, we have a Speaker can... of the we have a Speaker of the Assembly who operates a lot like Nancy Pelosi. And but they, um, who can introduce bills? The Speaker, the Speaker, mm -hmm. and the Governor, and the Governor will, the Governor can lay out his agenda a lot like the President does. Okay. This is the kind of bills I want Congress to pass. This is what I'd like our agenda agenda to be, and the members of his party will get to work on uh, on uh, to, uh, working implementing the legislative agenda of the Governor, or sometimes um, proposing bills to the Governor that he'll then you know you know either sign into law or or veto. Because. So, um what I, my poli sci teacher was like, I don't know why we still have two houses because they're both representative of, you know, in the, in the, on the federal level, it's uh, two per state because some states didn't want to be left out in some representation. They felt that, that if they were represented by population, they wouldn't get much of a voice and they have a huge, they have a huge territory. Their popula per capita population in their state is... Um, very small so 
we have the we have the house and then we have the house of representatives based on population right which is a little more representative a little more democratic yeah. than the u.s senate but here in california our state senate is a little more representative because each state senator has the exact same number of constituents so it's oh, so whereas in the u.s senate democrats have almost a 50 50 split with republicans but represent 40 million more Americans yeah. than the Republicans do here in California. Each state senator represents about a million people. So when they when they redistrict, they have to keep in mind that they need to keep that the number. Same demographic, the same population count for each state senate district. Yeah, and suddenly redistrict uh, this redistricting, which comes into effect in March, right? That's right. Actually, so if you had uh, a city a, a state senator back in 2020, you might have a new one. Uh, beginning this year because that's when the redistricting is uh, kicks in so yeah. you may have a new state senator this I, state senate district that i'm running for 37 it used to include laguna beach and huntington I know, beach i it's, know we're not in the district anymore but if your listeners live in laguna <laughs> and they want to support the vote of this state senate's the state senator in this district will impact everyone and across the state so I'm accepting support from across the state um, because if you want to see this kind of um, policy and agenda up in your state legislature, it doesn't matter that you won't be able to vote for me here in Laguna. I would still love your support. Please consider chipping in. Please consider sharing the word with your friends who are in districts so that they can vote for us in March. Wow. Um, I think we'll take a short music break and I'm going to play a, an oldie that you've probably never heard of. Um, by Lou Reed. Have you heard of Lou Reed before? No. It's this. Uh, it's my tribute to you because the title is "Take a Walk on the Wild Side," <laughs> <laughs> which is that's me. Yeah, that's you. <laughs> Here we go. We'll be back in just a second. Miami FLA Hitchhiked away across USA Plucked her eyebrows on the way Shaved her legs and then he was a she She says, hey babe Take a walk on the wild side Said, hey honey Take a walk on the wild side She was everybody's darling But she never lost her head Even when she was given head She says, hey babe Take a walk on the wild side Said, hey babe Take a walk on the wild side And the colored girls go Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do
hustle here and a hustle there. New York City is the place where they said, hey, babe, take a walk on the wild side. I said, hey, Joel, take a walk on the wild side. Sugar Pump Fairy came and hit the streets Looking for soul food and a place to eat Went to the Apollo, you should have seen him go, go, go They said, hey sugar, take a walk on the wild side I said, hey babe, take a walk on the wild side All right Huh Just speeding away Thought she was Jim Dean for a day Then I guess she had to crash Valium would have helped that fashion I said, hey babe, take a walk on the wild side I said, hey honey, take a walk on the wild side And the colored girls say Do, 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 do We're back. I'm talking uh, to my Instagram folks uh, at the same time. You're multitasking. He's very talented, this young man. Shifty. Shifty. You call him Shifty. <laughs> Shifty Alex. No, no, no. Um, that was Lou Reed. That was a very controversial song at the time. You're saying it sounds like who? It's not. It doesn't sound like that beat was sampled by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh. In a song that came out in the 90s. Oh. If somebody online can remember the, the oh. name of that song. Oh, my. Maybe they Chip can in. help you out. Yeah. Lou Reed, Walk on the Wild Side. And it was, like I said, it was about um, people changing sex and uh, kind of the seedier side of, of things, but uh, in a very... I don't know. It's a good song, and it had a message. I think it woke a lot of people up, and it was a very, it was a big hit. And he was considered very controversial at the time, Lou Reed. So yeah, we had to step back a little bit. Um, did you know that Ghana um, Parliament might prohibit people from marrying their cars? Wow! Wow! Um, yeah, <laughs> I am firmly against. Uh, I'm against car the, human marriage. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I can. I'm together with you on that. The yeah. Parliament of Ghana has begun a debate on provisions of a bill formerly known as the worst <laughs> anti-LGBTQ bill ever. The debate has ranged through a variety of absurd fra- factions, including humans marrying cars or household appliances, which some members of Parliament want to outlaw. Among many other provisions, a bill, as originally proposed, would increase. To as many as five years in Ghana's uh, current law prohibiting 
up to pro, providing up to a three-year sentence for same-sex intimacy. It would also criminalize gender uh, reassignment surgery, cross-dressing and oral sex, anal sex, toy sex, same-sex, weddings, advocacy of LGBTQ rights, public show of amorous relations between people of the same sex. Most of those are contained in Clause 6 of the bill. Isn't that lovely? Ah, in so Ghana. they snuck in yeah, yeah. anti-LGBTQ stuff. and Well, yeah, isn't that kind of all the, in the same basket? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, they—they—I they hear the they, gays—they marry their appliances all the time. Right. Yeah, it's right. just not right. Wow. Yeah. So that's going on in Ghana. I'm not. That's not on my travel list either. I'm, no. No. <laughs> if you're just tuning in, I'm here with Alex, and we're talking about his Senate run for a District 37 of in the lovely state of California. Yay, California! And I'm joined by one of my future colleagues here on, on Instagram, which is exciting. Oh my, Yes, California State Senate, District 37, representing my hometown of Irvine, and also includes Costa Mesa, Laguna Niguel, Laguna Woods, Lake Forest, Tribuco Canyon, Orange, Fullerton. Uh, <laughs> I think I got them all, mm. but Irvine is the heart of the district and it's where I grew up and it's a place that gave me so much and that I love very, very much and uh, is ready for a real progressive climate champion and a champion for affordable housing and and a diverse representative that's really rep- that really represents the community that uh, our beautiful, diverse, and vibrant uh, immigrant community in, in uh, Orange County. Are you sure you didn't leave something out? That's my pitch. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're ready, though. We're ready. Uh, let's see. Queer teen coming out on social media. What it takes Queer to teen? survive queer teen oh queer teen okay yeah got it it's two two words um it, uh, what it takes to survive the trolls wow where is this this is in asia so uh, globally i don't know uh, maybe we should go into that um rest in in pie brother you won't be missed like pie like the alg like the math p-i I think it was like a nasty 3. word. Like 3.14? I think it was a nasty word they had oh. to extract. It. Oh, got it. Uh, you, you, won't, you won't be missed, apparently. This was among the many similar comments on a post uh, by Pranshu, a 16-year-old self-taught Instagram beauty influencer who was found hanging in his home. Oh, this is lovely. While the police yet to identify the exact, exact reason for his death, family and friends are convinced that he was a victim of cyberbullying. And that he took his own life. I, if, if it's in India, I would not be surprised if it was an, not an honor killing. But that is just so bizarre. Have you heard of those? Honor killings? Honor yeah, killings. a big problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there was a, quite an expose about it in some people in Canada. It went up to Canada and they extradited people to serve anyway. So what else is going on on this beautiful Saturday, uh, Sunday morning on <laughs> Uh, that we haven't covered. Um, well, we're here talking to you today, right now, Craig, and then we've got a couple uh, must have campaign some, pit stops know, this afternoon. You, I know you have some... Uh, Listen, I'm a hustler. If I you're know. watching this, I am a hustler. I know how to work hard. I'm the son of immigrants, okay? I know. I started working at 12 years old, Craig. My first oh my. job was a paper route for the Irvine World News. Uh, I was 12 years old. It was 30 extra dollars a week for our family, but it's how we survived here in Irvine. And 
I know, and I know immigrant families uniquely understand this, but it's not just unique to immigrant families, yeah. is is the, the power of hard work. I don't take anything for granted. I know I'm the underdog in this race because I'm not a career politician and I'm not backed by big special interest money. But I also think we can win it through the through hard work, direct voter contact, and I am a hustler. That's why you see well, me all over uh, Instagram and I go to campaign events every day and I do call time every day. I call people, I ask them, please chip in some money. We need your help. And this is Grassroots. So if you're listening or if you're watching on Instagram, alex4ca.com, chip in 50 bucks today. It'll help us contact, knock on the doors of at least 30 voters. I feel like this is a, becoming a telethon, and, it sh- and, and I'm I have happy. to do my job, Craig. I, I, I got to do my well, job. Well, I'm very happy with that. I, <laughs> I think it, it it could be. Uh, it, it wouldn't be a, a bad thing. Um, well, you know, I want to say though, because because it's such an important part of my story is it's mo- it's the it's the lesson that folks like my mom taught me. You know, she came here with nothing. And I watched mm-hmm. that woman work 50, 60, 70 hours a week because her overtime hours helped pay the rent. And mm. she worked so hard. And now she's in her 70s and she's just recently retired and she's worried about how she's going to make ends meet. And that drives me nuts because it's not just her story. I've been out talking to voters since March of this year and the number of seniors, which by the way are the fastest growing rate of homeless people in the state of California. Oh, wow. The number of seniors I've talked to who can't get by on their Medicare payments, on their Medicare that they live on either social security or survivor benefits and it's not enough to meet the high cost of living here and they're yeah. worried have had to take out reverse mortgages on their homes their medicare no longer covers the cost of transportation to and from their home to their medical appointments like that is a moral failure and we've got to get serious because the number of seniors in this state is going to triple over the next couple decades and it's the fastest growing rate of homeless people and by the way one more thing here in orange county and this is the national trend as well. Uh, uh, the majority of homeless people work a job. Yes. They yeah, work that's a really... job. So if your elected officials are telling you that homelessness is because of drug addiction or, or because they just don't want to get a job, they're lazy. No, they are working. It is the income inequality and the lack of access to affordable housing that has driven and worsened the housing crisis in California and the high cost of living in this state. We need a living wage. We need more affordable housing. And we need to get people access to that affordable housing See, in California. I, I propose this thought that there's... Um, I just got a comment that's uh, and from my very beloved... Uh, dear friend Gail Askew saying Republican behind Alex. So thanks, Gail. <laughs> a lifelong teacher, by the way, who served our community and and was an educator and is among the best of us. Well, yeah, it's, it does set the political party aside when you're going for what the what the issues are and what the person uh, is working on. But um, I had a thing about I, I I had an observation. I guess I think when. Tell in, me. In the eighties, when Reagan was uh, in California, and he decided to throw all the people out of the institutions, and a lot of those people that were homeless that we saw mm-hmm. were people that couldn't really take care of themselves. And, and that happens and, too, you know. Yeah, well, but we, we do. It's not like it doesn't happen, and we do need to invest in well, drug and alcohol so, rehabilitation. And, and so, let's just say eighty percent of the people on the street in the eighties were people that couldn't take care of themselves. And the other 20% were people that maybe drug addicts or lost their job and, and they're trying to 
get back and you know on the horse yeah i think now it's 80 percent of the people got fell off the horse because of they've medical issues they had maybe they had maybe it was a husband and wife with two kids the husband got sick lost his job they had medical bills they got they got evicted they lived in a hotel for a while they lived in a, a trailer for a while and they're home on the street i think 80 percent now are there it's the opposite it's reversed yeah there's 20 percent that really need care yes. so don't misinterpret the 80 percent that are working and trying to get back yes Listen, I told you the average median individual income here in Orange County is $40,700 a year. In order to afford a two-bedroom rental in the Irvine metro area, you got to make $99,000 a year. That is arithmetic and it doesn't add up. The majority of people work jobs, either part-time or full-time, and their their income is not enough to make their ends meet. And that is why they are slipping into homelessness. It's the high cost of living and the and inaccessibility of housing and by the way expanding access to health care is one of the biggest drivers of economic growth it frees up disposable income for everyday working families and saves everyday uh, saves the state hundreds of billions of dollars a year while shoring up and improving health outcomes so these issues are intersectional we need to get people access to health care and housing yeah i never healthcare thought about that removing that expense allows uh, growth and other ex money to be and anyway um the um but yes to, to the point of getting people access to care though i wanted to say yes we need wraparound services for homeless people lifting people out of poverty getting them off the streets we do need to in, in broad investments in drug and alcohol rehabilitation and more investments in mental health and by the way it's not reinventing the wheel we have funds from things like prop 63 that we could refocus and allocate towards wraparound services for homeless people also recent reforms to medi-cal called CalAIM could allow us to tap Medi-Cal to offer wraparound services to homeless folks and get them access to social services. Let me and toss this out there to too. Things. When you say, when you say your numbers, at the average, you have to make ninety thousand dollars, ninety nine thousand, ninety nine thousand, and to meet your basic to, human needs as to, an individual. So for living, for living, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I want to ask the question: Is that living? You're spending all your time to pay your rent. All your money, all your resources go to pay your rent. When are you going to maybe take your kids to, I don't know, well, I want to say Disneyland, but when are you going to take a few days for yourself? When are you going to go out to dinner? When are you going to take a little yeah. road trip with your family? Never. It's not sustainable You can't like do this. it. And, and you see that frustration, you know, of yeah. people who are working is that so living hard. it's it, not really living is it no and and maybe you're working a job you hate but you need the money yeah and so i'm working multiple jobs by the way yeah I'm working multiple jobs and and that's not really living and we need to improve health outcomes and economic outcomes See, and i also, also think that there is a, a generational model that housing is a human right instagram <laughs> followers says. there's a human by the way if housing is a human right folks check out the justice for renters act this isn't just about more affordable housing we also need renter protections to help people from slipping into poverty from slipping into homelessness justice for Pre renters act the homelessness prevention act uh and i am in favor of reforming the costa hawkins law which would allow local municipalities to set their agenda and implement rent control ordinances that are befitting their cities so are you suggesting prevention is a method prevention and more housing <laughs> tenant shocking. protections and more housing uh, shocking that's, yeah. that's great <laughs> we should all I, I 
I also suggest this, that there is a model that, that a, a generation has come to where you buy the, the starter home that's a million and a half dollars. You, ba- <laughs> you buy the $90,000 SUV, and there's a whole generation that's, that's what you should be doing. You should, you, you should you know, get your very expensive college, college education, have all that debt, and, and yet buy a multi-million dollar home, have an expensive car. That's the life that you should aspire to. And I talked to you about this before, and you said, yes, you want to buy a home. But I think there's a ton of people out there that would rather have the freedom to go ski in Japan. Yeah, my whole generation. But that's also because my whole generation has been excluded from the housing market. And well, not the whole generation. Some some are buying homes, but especially here in California, I know none of my friends can come back here to Irvine or to to Costa Mesa or Tustin and buy a home because the starting price is 900 grand for a starter home. Uh, and that's just not, that's just not doable. It's the, the home owning market, homeowners market has become exclusive and for the wealthy. And so that's why we need renter protections. And I would love to invest in programs that would more programs that would allow first time homeowners uh, here in California. Don't you think maybe the long-term, the the long-term remedy rather than so much as trying to protect, but it's more about facilitating an alternative housing situation so that that and i don't know how you would do that but i mean uh i i, I constantly think if someone decided to put tiny homes into a, a community there are counties where if you if you build outside of a city limit the building codes are much different and in some counties there are no building codes well you yeah. don't want no building codes you want certain building codes but if you built in a county where the the building codes were much less cumbersome and debilitating um, but they these tiny homes are built have to be built to certain standards so they are safe yeah i'm in favor of this listen i'm in favor of any way we get to more housing by the way there's really forward-thinking and progressive legislation that's been kind of floating around the california legislature about something called social housing i want you to check that out mixed density mixed use housing uh more up, as I mentioned upzoning so that people can build more ADUs, can build tiny home villages. Uh, that might be something that people prefer, but we need to get to more housing in the state. And that's yeah. clear to me, period. We should get there through every available. Well, and all the studies it. are in, folks. Um, they've, dis- they've discovered that if you're homeless and you're struggling and you need a hand up or a hand, not a handout, but a hand up, <clears throat> that, that number one best remedy is getting you in a house getting you in an abode getting you in a home all the rest of it comes if you can get those people off the street because yeah. being on the street is you're just so destitute that but also the discrimination the lack of access to other services yeah. the lack of access to a bank account. no address no yeah. we can't open a bank account for yeah. you yeah getting yeah. people into even temporary trans- transitional housing and then into permanent supportive housing is going to be yeah. really important. This is the one of the big crises our state faces, and it has been allowed to go on for far too long. And for those of you who are affluent, who live in a nice home, who live in a nice community, it, I know it serves, it, it's in all of our best interests to lift people out of poverty. You know, it might not be something that affects you in your community, but it is happening on the streets of Orange County and well, California. I, and I think, honestly, there's, I, I, there's, I think there's, I don't know, I mean, my intuition... There are families out there that just have had 
a series of bad hits in a row. Yes. And through no real fault of their own, fate kind of stepped in and they've they've done all the right things. They worked hard, they've done everything and yet you know, the company they work for went out of business. He lost his job. She got a, had a medical issue or she just had a newborn. They just had a newborn child they had planned for, but then their financial situation changed. And all of a sudden they've got hospital bills. Even COVID, and, Craig, a third of small businesses closed during the yeah, COVID pandemic exactly. yeah. in, in California. I mean, there's that's a good point. A lot of existential or uh, outside circumstances that can affect the economic outcomes of everyday families. Yeah. And too many families are living one paycheck away. Yep. I know that's yep. become kind of like a trite talking point, but it's true from falling, slipping into poverty. And that's a major problem. So I am in favor of building out a social safety net that prevents poverty, which is also a driver of economic growth in the state. If we want to make sure that we reduce our deficit and then have some surplus to invest in things like education and healthcare. Shocking. Yeah. Shocking. <laughs> They were, we just have like four minutes left, and I could probably get an end oh, with no. a song. Oh, no. Can't we I do know. it all day? <laughs> no, we <laughs> can't. No, we can't. <laughs> oh, I have had a, a fabulous uh, couple hours here with Alex, and I hope he, and he's his second time back. Maybe we'll be a third. Who knows? He's so busy and got so many things going on. I'm so happy that he could make it here this weekend. Thanks um, for having Alex, me, did you have anyone you wanted to, to mention or anything? I know you've um, give your URL one more time here. Now. I want to say hi to Kane Durham, who runs Pride at the Pier, a fantastic act activist who's been out there showing up for the community and yes. Lavender Dems OC. Thank you so much for the work you're doing for LGBTQ people in Orange County. I would love if your listeners would visit me at alex4ca.com. The word for is spelled out, spelled out. And check out our website. Primary is March 5th. We need your support. We need your help. Please consider chipping in a few bucks today and sharing the word on social media and getting the word out about our campaign. And it's just been a real pleasure to be back, Craig. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Alex. And we will be back next week. I don't have a guest listed, but I believe it All is right. new. It's I'll Christmas Eve. Well, if you want to be back on Christmas Eve. <laughs> is it Christmas Eve already? Oh, my I God. I know. It's it's unbelievable, isn't it? And uh, everyone go out there and carpe diem. Enjoy the day. Uh, make it. Um, and okay. hi, Gail. <laughs> Bye-bye. See you next week, everyone. Hi, everyone. Shake me up and turn me upside down just like a snowball. Nothing ever Every single kiss is like a gift to me.
Winter is so great, feels like the ice is here to stay.